Alrighty, what's going on? Happy Tuesday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110993 WBT. I don't know. Is it just me or is it is it highly coincidental that after my uh, John Hancock-esque timeout uh, and I returned to Charlotte and I now find myself watching city council meetings where they talk about arena funding deals. Is that just a coincidence? They wait for me to get back before they started all of this again? Uh, yes, it's a coincidence, obviously. But... I did do that last night. I watched, what is it? It was like a six hour city council meeting. I watched it. So you didn't have to. You're welcome. The city of Charlotte, according to David Hodges, WBTV uh, report, WBTV.com. City of Charlotte is counting on a lucrative naming rights deal to help pay for a new practice facility, but they don't call it a practice facility. They're calling it a performance center, which makes it sound like a theater which it's not. It's a practice facility. But because they expanded the roster uh, in the NBA by like two people, that means they need another court. And most of the other teams, their practice courts have two courts, and so we can't have just one court. We have to have the two courts because that's what everyone else has. That's the reason why we can't compete, I assume. Um. This new practice facility for the Charlotte Hornets would be at a new transit center for cats. It's one of the linchpins of a $275 million deal between the city and the Hornets to upgrade the Spectrum Center and to keep the team in the Queen City through 2045. All right, maybe I'm just a pessimist here, or maybe... I don't know, maybe I've seen enough of these debates over the years with various sports entities, but specifically with the NBA and the Hornets. Um, I, I, I don't know if that actually guarantees that they stay through 2045. Seriously. Uh, professional sports teams speak a language. I will not tell you the name of the language as the FCC would find me and my station here, so I won't say what that language is, but it, it, it starts with a letter that looks like an E, but is missing one of the, uh, one of the horizontal parts of the E down there. Um, that is what an old general manager here told me years and years and years ago uh, when they were having a, a, you know, contract negotiation slash dispute with a professional sports team. And he said, you know, sometimes you just have to be able to say, um, well, that word again, and then walk away, right? Which is kind of fundamental to any negotiation, right? Like if you are not willing to walk away, then you don't have any kind of power in that negotiation. And I don't know that the city council and the city of Charlotte, I don't know that they can walk away. Oh, I mean, yeah, I know that they'll say, oh, yeah, well, We'll walk away if we have to, if the deal's not good. I don't believe that. I don't believe they'll walk away. Um, And that's just based on prior experience. Yes, the Charlotte Hornets did leave, and then they became the New Orleans Hornets for some reason. Although, I mean, look, they could have held on to the name. At least we got the name back. But that that was a name 
that was voted on by the people, right? That name came from the citizens of Charlotte because George Shin, the original owner of the original Hornets, he wanted to call it the spirit. Did you know that? The Charlotte spirit, which like anybody who's been to Charlotte, uptown especially, like where would you get spirit from? There's no, maybe ghosts or something. I don't know. Alcohol? Is that the idea? But back when he got the team, like you could literally roll a bowling ball down trade and try on after 530 and not hit anybody. Okay, yes, except maybe like the ladies of the night. Okay, but that's about it. There, nobody was in Uptown Charlotte. So what was the spirit? The suburban spirit? We want the NBA, we want the NCAA and all of that. Anyway, George Shin got the team, uh, got an expansion team. Everybody loved him, but he was never really accepted. And then when he got accused of the sexual assault and they went to trial down in York County, and uh, Bill Deal, never forget that, covering that trial. Bill Deal, the lawyer for uh, George Shin. And uh, you could always see him courtside and uh, at the home games and such. But I remember him making the argument. And all right, to be fair, this was sort of after the, uh, the OJ trial. So flashy lawyers were kind of the thing for, uh, you know, for a minute. And uh, he made this argument uh, the closing argument was uh, that the accuser of George Shin, he would call, he started taking to calling her Les Lie. Les Lie, because her name was Leslie. And it was a civil case. It wasn't a criminal case. But uh, anyway, uh, that kind of really rubbed people the wrong way. When your, your team owner is accused of, you know, sexual assault, and this was, you know, 20 years before the Me Too movement, eh, it's... Not a good look. Not a good look. I'm not sure if he had any kind of, uh, you know, Denim Jeans Friday thing going on. But when, because the story was that he, his, I think his son was going to rehab and Shin picked up the woman at the rehab, brought her back to the house, allegedly sexually assaulted her, and uh, she filed a, Lawsuit, I don't know if they ever charged him. I don't think there were ever any criminal charges, but I think he beat the rap. I'm just going by memory. I think he beat the rap in the civil case. She sued him, and and, and the jury did not uh, award her the damages, if I recall correctly. But George Shin was never really accepted in sort of the high society, old money Charlotte crowds. And, that, and then after the assault, it was like, okay. that's And so he was embarrassing. He was an embarrassment. And then, uh, you know, also, the team wasn't very good, too. And that, that matters. It matters when you start hitting up the local electeds for money. If your team is terrible, it's kind of harder. Uh, it's a harder lift. It's harder to get them on board to spending a quarter of a billion dollars for your new arena. And he needed the suites, he said. He needed a smaller, the, the, the old Coliseum. Well, not the old Coliseum. That's the, now it's the Bojangles Arena. That's the original old. Then there was another old Coliseum. That was out on Tyvola Road, but then they tore that one down uh, when they got the new arena built, which they built that new arena in Uptown after voters said no. Voters said no to the arena deal, plus a whole bunch of arts packages uh, or projects. It was all part of one big package. It was a big referendum. They made The, the city made George Shin pay for administration of that referendum vote which he then lost. Voters rejected. It was like 57% rejected the, the whole bundled package. The city council 
up for re-election, then says, oh, well, this is over. George Shin's like, I'm taking my ball going home. And he moves down to uh, to New Orleans. City Council immediately begins negotiating with the NBA for a new arena, even though we have no team. The very next election, and they start moving forward on the arena deal. Oh, and by the way, every other project in the bundle was eventually built, including the arena. So that's sort of a brief, uh, brief background as to how we got the new arena. And this is important because all of a sudden now, the new city council, the one that's there, the current city council, they're like, hmm, this deal that was negotiated, it's not so great. There's some problems with this deal. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. That is Callender with a K. Also, hit me up on the Twitter machine. I try to follow everybody back, too. Unless you have zero followers and no profile picture. Then it's not happening. Or if uh, if I follow you and then you immediately send me some picture uh you know, like with the duck lips where you kind of it looks like they're smoochy, smoochy looking up into the camera and says, hello, like blocked. That's automatic. That's how I protect myself. Um, so the uh, the Charlotte City Council last night got an update on the arena deal, which we all kind of learned about a week or so ago. And they get they got some more details and they essentially authorized the city bureaucratic uh, manager's division, right? The city manager and and the assistant city managers and like that team, go ahead and start, you know, putting some meat on the bones and working through the uh, the proposal. And then uh, we'll come back in a couple weeks, put it up for a public comment period and vote on it at a city council meeting. And I've got some audio. You knew I would. I'm not going to sit there and watch a five-hour meeting and not pull some audio. So I have some audio. Here is City Councilman Malcolm Graham. He is the chairman of the Economic Development Committee, which reviewed the deal and then uh, recommended approval to the full city council. Uh, Just reminding everyone, uh, $173 million were contractually obligated to do. Uh, The other sweetener allows the team to remain uh, in that building until 2045 for 15 years lease um, extension uh, in that uh, Spectrum Arena, uh, notwithstanding basketball concerts, uh, have a number of community events that generates close to $376 million a year for our community. The, the arena itself serves as our community's living room where we all come together as a, uh, as a community for a wide variety of events outside of basketball. Uh, and um, it's our building, uh, it's our investment, we're contractually obligated to do most of it. Uh, I think that the council and the committee has fulfilled this charge. The council authorized the city manager now to negotiate the deal, and it'll be back before council for approval again at various stages of the development. There's a couple different parts to it. I don't know what the final terms of the deal are going to be, but as you just heard Councilman Graham say, we are contractually obligated 
to the tune of $173 million already. Tark Bakari, city councilman, said he's actually worried that the talks were going on in secret for a while, and I understand why, but the public is only been, has only been made aware of the details recently. I still have the same concern, which isn't really, do we love the Hornets and are we contractually obligated for this? It's, you know, what, what does the community think about all this stuff? And, and, you know, we can say we're contractually obligated to a large amount of money because of, you know, contract language and things that were handed to us long, long ago. But there's still a negotiated deal that has been negotiated artfully to this date that has additional uh, discretional money that we're going to spend there. And I, you know, I think from a, it's it's not it's not minimal. And there's a lot of priorities. So there's probably a lot of people that pay taxes in the city that are fans that would want to weigh in. But more importantly to me, there's probably a boatload of hospitality and tourism employees that this, you know, the the the, the the fund, the, the hospitality and tourism fund that funds all this, that sits on their back. It's an investment into the fu- their future to make sure we're continuing there. I'm not saying at all this isn't a, a good or bad deal. I'm just saying, like, it makes, I'm just nervous that here we are, just at rocket speed from last week, going into next week where people can sign up on the same meeting we vote. I would just, I understand this is how it is, but I would just feel a lot more comfortable if. I had some reason to believe we didn't vote on this, thinking everyone was cool with it, and then all of a sudden that's when people start paying attention and voicing how they feel, just because of the nature of how long this has been in the public's eye. Right. So what is the community support level? And it's kind of hard to get a read on that right now because we only just got the details. One of the hallmarks of all of these types of debates, it happened 20 years ago when they were having the debate over the Uptown Arena's construction. This conflation of love of the team and love of the deal. They're not the same. You can love the team. You can want the team to stay. You can love the players. You can love basketball, the NBA, all of that. But that doesn't mean that the deal is going to be a good deal. There's a little bit of a difference this time around in that the city is going to be negotiating with the team on this stuff versus 20 years ago, they were negotiating with the NBA, the league, and they've got some pretty good negotiators, pretty good lawyers over there. Not to say anything bad about the current crop of lawyers that work for the Hornets or anything like that. They could be better. I don't know. I just think it's different. And how different? I don't know. We're going to find out. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Going over the debate that the Charlotte City Council had last night in their meeting, their planning meeting or strategy session or whatever they call it now. Uh, This item will appear at the next city council. On the agenda, people will be able to speak about it, considering that the city has previously actually gone to a referendum, got voted down in their quest to build an arena uptown, then turned around and built it anyway, and opened it up for public comment at that point and built it anyway. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, even if you're opposed, I don't think you're going to convince them. I think trains already left the station on this. 
and uh, they're going to build it. I don't see there being enough votes to tank really any kind of a deal that they come back with. Seriously. Uh, if, yeah, I mean, the city is not going, the city, this city council is not going to allow the Hornets to leave. So they're not going to walk away from the table. And so this deal is going to get done. The question is, how much will it end up costing us? And uh, will they bury, uh, bury the uh, bus station, the transit center, uh, will they bury it all underneath the practice facility or will they have a separate building if that doesn't work out? So uh, that that's really, I mean, yes, the naming rights, that'll come later. And who's on the hook for that? Spoiler, it's us. And, uh, you know, $60 million that they're hoping to get um, uh, for this performance enhancement center or the PEC, as I, I like to call it. Um, it's a practice facility. And then it would be under, uh, the, the bus terminal would be under that and then there would be parking and some other stuff retail up above it this big tall building whatever all of those details have to be worked out and it all hinges on there being a naming rights deal to secure like 60 million dollars to help pay for it now city councilman braxton winston was a bit conflicted again i i I said a lot but this this continues to be a very strange situation for me um you know for the past 18 years uh one of my part-time jobs um, has been to produce uh, the in-house production uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, the Bobcats, and the Sting, and other events that come through the arena. So if I was, you know, just making the decision and, and analyzing it on that behalf, this would be an easy decision. Uh, but for the past five years, um, my other part-time job, um, has, has the, the primary responsibility has been uh, to be a good steward of, of taxpayer dollars. Um, and, and this deal, um, and this question, um, and this spend, um, uh, really calls in, uh, a lot of conflicts, um, to me in terms of being, uh, that good steward. Speaking of conflicts, um, do you think that might be a conflict for him in these votes, right? You, you've been working for 18 years. I mean, I assume he still does doing contract work, subcontract work, whatever for the arena, for these different games and, and events. So you're drawing a paycheck for almost 20 years from that facility. And now you're, you're going to be one of the board of directors reviewing the deal. Oh, what am I? Who am I kidding? Right. It's going to get approved. He may, and look, he may vote no on it for, you know, good reasons or bad. But I do think, honestly, there might be a bit of a conflict issue here. Now, he raises two issues. One, the new deal, he says, seems as bad as the old one. Past, past councils really negotiated a bad deal uh, for taxpayers uh, uh, when we um, uh, built this arena. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, it took 15 years. But thank you. But by the way, council didn't negotiate the deal. That was the city staff. I'll get back to that. Um, and a big part of this spend, um, you know, for instance, uh, adding more doors um, uh, to, to, to a building uh, that didn't, um, uh, didn't consider the security measures that would be needed to fill the arena um, is something that we're paying a premium on right now. Um, I heard all just about every colleague last week comment on how bad of 
a deal this tax uh, uh, this this contract has has been um, ownership and 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 that contractual obligation to keep it uh, to the top fifty percent of NBA arenas. Um, um, but I've heard nothing today um, and and since last week uh, that shows how the negotiated uh, deal that is on the table uh, creates a better deal uh, for taxpayers moving forward. It in fact seems to um, solidify and 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 really harden uh, the, the idea uh, that taxpayers will will uh, have to invest disproportionately um, in the capital investment of this arena um, and any future um, arena uh, that um, will be necessary to keep an NBA franchise uh, in Charlotte. Um, you know, again, my colleagues uh, talked about how past councils um, um, put us right now uh, in, in, in a tough, hard situation, and I agree with that. And I feel like the deal that is on the table is going to put future councils um, in an even tougher um, situation when they have to negotiate uh, new deals. So two points here. Number one, he mentioned the doors. That's part of the renovation package. Entryways, bathrooms, escalators, elevators, roof repairs, plumbing repairs, new HVAC systems. This is all part of the $173 million obligation. The other point is that it wasn't the city council that negotiated. Yes, they approved the deal, but it was the city management that that did the negotiations. It was the city's team. City manager Pam Seifert, former assistant city manager Kurt Walton, who later became city manager, Mac McCarley, the city attorney who's now in private practice and actually worked for the redistricting committee. When they did the new maps for the city council districts, Mac McCarley was the lawyer that did that for them. Cindy White with the city attorney's office, Jim Schumacher, city engineer. They negotiated the deal. Voters rejected the arts package in 2001, bundled with the arena. Immediately after the next election, the city council empowered Seifert to start the negotiations. That was July of 2002. And she, and she did so with the NBA because there was no team here at the time. Mayor Lyles worked for Pam Seifert at this time. And she retired after they built the arena or after they got the deal done. She retired in like 04 and went to work for the Lee Institute. Right? So, I mean, that's, that's the history. And by the way, one of the members of the city council that agreed to this deal, Malcolm Graham, who's now the chairman of the Economic Development Committee. Let me go over here to Scott. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. I'm great. Thanks hey. for having me. Yeah, sure. What's up? I want to point out that the city already has a grand transit plan, so I'm not sure why burying the transit center is even being considered. They've, they had full plans to build a giant multimodal transit center um, over by Johnson & Wales in Graham Street that's going to have Amtrak, light rail, local bus, city bus, and so on, all in one giant Grand Central Station concept. So have they completely forgotten about this? Uh, maybe. 
Maybe so. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Did they actually approve that plan, or was that something that they just went about studying? I am not positive on the approval part. I know that they said that they had the funding for about half of it, and it may be uh, contingent on federal funding like everything. Mm-hmm. But that was a great plan that everybody approved of and supported, and now they've moved on to the, uh, to the next big thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is burying the bus station, so, I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty attractive idea. Don't you think, like, hey, if we could just get that bus, the transit center, just out of sight. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, and that would be a a benefit. Especially, look, they want to build a whole entertainment district there, which is really, it's very convenient, right? So if you got the neighborhood beefs uh, and you're going to, you know, swarm uh, uptown on July 4th and cause some riots and such, it's very convenient to just hop on the bus, get into uptown, and you could start the brawling before you even get up to the streets, you know? Maybe there's a security aspect to it. Ask them how the epicenter turned out. Uh, yeah, well, and that that's a great point. And it's also uh, folks are wondering, how does that epicenter uh, bankruptcy and whatever is going to become of that property? How does that play into all of this, too? Because that's right there as well. So a lot of questions. Scott, good question. I appreciate the call, man. I'll take a look at the uh, uh, this grand central station idea. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. You're welcome, Chip. Chip said, the only way that I could make my show more perfect is to include some Warren Zevon and Billy Strings bumper music. He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow man. I don't know why we only play this song uh, around Halloween. Werewolves are out all the time. Well, not all the time. Just with the full moon, obviously. So once a month, really. I don't know why we only limit ourselves to uh, Halloween. All right, so the arena deal from 15 years ago or so, now I guess almost 20, apparently not such a great deal because it built in this... uh, this mandate that the city is on the hook for the renovations in perpetuity. And that's why you keep hearing this number, $173 million. That's what city taxpayers have to come up. Well, I shouldn't say city taxpayers because this is coming out of um, hotel uh, motel tourism money, but all funds are fungible to some degree. I, I understand dedicated revenue streams that are coming off of tourism taxes. I get it. But when you take that money and you use it for the arena, then you don't have that money for other things. And that's actually one of the problems, for example, the vice mayor, Julie Isel, that's one of the problems she has with this, is that if we're now going to have to put in an, an additional $60 million on top of the 173 right, we're going to add more, that money is going to be drafted out of those tourism tax pots. And when that happens, there's less money for the arts. And she doesn't like that. She wants more money for the arts. So then what happens? Well, you're going to go back to the legislature and get another tax or something? Good luck with that. Um, No, then you end up more than likely, you know, with some sort of a push for a bond or something or new spending for, you know, uh, for art work and projects and whatever that that's 
generally how this stuff goes. That's what we mean when we say all funds are fungible. Think of it in terms of uh, one pair of pants, different pockets. So there's a $60 million naming rights revenue stream that they are anticipating. That, according to the Charlotte Economic Development Director, Tracy Dobson, the city would have to identify different sources of revenue to pay for the project. The money will come from Charlotte's Tourism Fund, which is revenue from hospitality taxes, like hotels and rental cars, which we all know nobody local ever rents a car for any reason whatsoever. So it's totally paid by tourists. The city has proposed creating an entertainment district around the Spectrum Center and a new CTC slash practice facility and selling the naming rights to a company. The CTC is the Charlotte Transit Center. Now, I have recommended that it be called the Buzz Station. That's what the project needs to be called for obvious reasons. The Buzz Station or the Buzz Stop if the Grand Central Station idea over at Gateway Village, if that actually were to happen and you don't want it to be like the main transit hub anymore, but or maybe the plan includes the, you know, a transit hub remaining in place or a, a, a bus uh, transit center remaining in place, and then it would feed into the Grand Central Station one. I, I don't know. But then wasn't that the point of the trolley, the gold line? But now they're questioning whether or not that was a good idea. It's just interesting to me to come back and 20 years later, hear all of the arguments. I hear echoes of the arguments that critics made to the Charlotte leaders, warning them, these are not good plans. And the Charlotte leaders said, pound sand. Even after they were rejected at the polls, they still went ahead and did it. Now, because I am... a Apparently a masochist. I went to the uh, Charlotte City Council's minutes. I pulled the records of the minutes. Started back in 2002. The late great councilman, Don Lockman, one of the only people with actual like big business expertise, could read a budget, knew what these budget items were, and then would just drag the city staffers. He would just drag them in a very nice way, but he would drag them, asking them all of these pointed questions. You could tell that they were getting flustered and other city council members didn't really understand a lot of the stuff he was saying. Here are some of the minutes because, uh, and I'd actually forgotten this component. There was a $100 million contribution, quote unquote, or investment, an investment as they referred to it which drives some people like my friend Eric a bit crazy. He says, spend is not a noun. Why are politicians allergic to saying spending? Which consultant is telling them this? Again, it's like nails on a chalk, uh, chalkboard. So I apologize for that. But investments, spending, it's $100 million. It was not a contribution. It was not an investment. An investment would imply being a full-fledged equity partner and sharing in downstream losses or profits of the investment. And Lockman said it's not the case here. The banks, the banks came forward with the $100 million to get the deal going for the arena. They coughed up $100 million, $100 million, but the understanding was, the agreement was, they would be repaid either in total 
or certainly the vast amount of what they put in, they were first to get their money back. It it essentially was an interest-free loan to the city, true. But they put up the million dollars, and Mayor Pat McCrory said at the time, well, look, we asked this private sector to step up and help, and here they were helping. 